Hi, welcome everybody. It is a beautiful, cool spring morning here in Houston. We will be talking about leadership. So I am very honored and proud to introduce a truly esteemed and expert panel of speakers to you today. The panel will be addressing how leaders act and steer their organizations through what must be one of the most challenging times in the oil industry. Uh, we're facing two major challenges, the COVID-19 pandemic and the current low oil price environment caused by oversupply and lack of global demand due to this pandemic recession. So the panelists will share their insights on how these two waves are impacting oil and gas and the management of the, of the and sustainability of the business, uh, how it's impacting the workforce, the SPE, and the future industry interaction, including academia and other uh, parallel, in, parallel industries. COVID-19 is obviously mostly impacting office workers and the traditional styles of learning in universities and schools. Uh, the work-life balance is all over the place right now, as you can all imagine. It's also uh, affecting, in many places, field operations. But mostly it's the low oil price environment that's impacting field operations and the future outlook for oil and gas, including the continuation and the sustainability of our business. So it's a very important time for us to look at how we lead our industry through the current climate. So on the panel today, we have Sami al Nuaim. He is the outgoing 2019 SPE president, a 30-year veteran of petroleum engineering at Saudi Aramco. He is speaking today in his capacity as the 2019 SPE president. Also on the panel, we have Tom Plazengemi, uh, the 2021 SPE president. So he's the incoming president. Uh, he'll be taking over in September. Renowned expert in reservoir engineering and well production, he is the holder of the Robert L. Whiting Professorship at the Department of Petroleum Engineering, Texas A&M. Also on the panel, Eve Sprunt. She is a 35-year-old oil and gas industry veteran, having worked for several super major operators. She is today a thought leader, speaker on business leadership, industry trends, technology, and workforce issues. She is also a past president for SBE back in 2006 and is a past president of the American Geosciences Institute in 2018. And finally on the panel, Kamel Ben-Nasir. He is the CEO of Nomadia Energy Consulting, previously chief economist for ADNOC and uh, earlier director for sustainability, technology and outlooks at the uh, prestigious IEA. Now this expert group of panelists will be led by our moderator today, Maria Angela Capello. She is the chair of the SPE Business Management and Leadership Committee and is currently executive consultant at the Q8 Oil Company. So very, very excited to introduce all these people. It's going to be an absolutely outstanding discussion. So once again, welcome to our program. I shall now pass you all over to our panelists. Hello, all. How are you? My name is Maria Angela Capello, and I am connecting from Kuwait in what is the end of a very sunny day, beautiful day in Kuwait. So I want to welcome you all to this panel on behalf of the Business Management and Leadership Committee of the SPE. As the chair of the committee, it is my pleasure to let you know that our main objective is to foster and provide venues for the growth, the professional growth of our members. 
And one of those uh, skills that we are fostering and encouraging is leadership. So it's not a coincidence that the panel title today is SPE Talks Leadership. So we have wonderful leaders today with us, four SPE presidents, nothing less, nothing more than that, who are our natural role models. Uh, we have prepared a set of questions for them, and uh, we are um, about to start. And uh, because of that, I, it is my pleasure now to let you know a little bit about them. Uh, already they were introduced by Niels, but I want to let you know while they are connecting, that we have Samia Nguyen, 2019 president, Sergio Veteran of Petroleum Engineering, Tom Blasingen, 2021 SPE president, Dr. Yves Prompt, uh, she was also SPE president, 2006, and Dr. Kamel Benazur, that has been selected as the incoming president. I have mentioned all of you, and I am so proud. We are all proud to have you as our panelists. And let's start. I think that uh, we want to hear from our audience and especially from you. And my first question is, what measures and priorities leaders in our industry take or probably already took during this crisis? And I would like to address this question to Dr. Sami. Thank you, Maria and Neil for putting this. Uh, all uh, together, uh, really a very, very interesting event uh, by SPE. So thanks to all those who are really putting it together and behind the scene. Uh, before I answer the question, I just want to say that, uh, you know, this uh, current crisis, uh, COVID-19, uh, is, is really nothing uh, like, you know, uh, the downturn uh, and the crisis that we have seen uh, so far. You know, many of us in this panel really lived long to see so many uh, uh, you know downturns uh, and and some kind of uh, you know economic recessions that we witnessed uh, in myself uh, you know in the last in my 30 years experience in the industry i've seen you know the, the the oil price drop in the 80s in the 90s in the 2008 and then the last uh, in 2014 and 15 but this is indeed is different you know it's different and unique because of its a scope it's it's geographical uh, uh, you know, scale and its great impact, not only in the oil and gas uh, industry, uh, but but all industries at large, basically. Those of you who follow the news, for example, in the U.S. alone, you know, I've heard that uh, more than 20 million people filed for jobs during the month of April. So the impact is so huge. And I would like just to start by saying our sympathy and prayer goes to those victims of this uh, uh, virus and those who lost uh, their lives. Uh, uh, so to answer the question, Maria, I think in, in my, you know, in my opinion that, uh, you know, uh, because of its unique nature, uh, of, uh, the unique nature of this crisis, it needs really, uh, you know, uh, unique leaders as well to address it. And uh, we're so lucky to have so many of these in our industry. In my, in my opinion, uh, there are six priorities that needs to be looked at uh, by, by uh, the oil and gas leaders. The first is the safety of our people, the people who really, uh, you know, energize, uh, uh, you know, the world, who pump the oil and gas. Although we, we adopted a new business model by working remotely, 
uh, you know, because of the, the investment that we put earlier in the digitization. But also we have some people also, they have to, you know, uh, work from, uh, you know, uh, in facilities or having some critical functions, operating facilities, operating regs and so on. So the safety of our people, I think, is the top priority of any leader uh, for that sake. Uh, the second priority, which is linked to that one, which is the business continuity. Again, we are talking about a loss of 30 million barrels, uh, a sudden loss of 30 million barrels a day uh, when it comes to the global oil demand. But let's not forget that we're still producing 70 million barrels of, of, of oil per day and, and hundreds of billions scuffed of gas that are really needed not only to keep the, the modern life as it is also, but also to help you know, uh, the people to fight and government, help governments and organizations and the health sector to fight this, uh, this, uh, this virus. Uh, we tend to think of oil and gas, of, of, to think of oil only for leisure uh, uh, cars and airplanes, but, uh, but it's not. It's really, it's, it's involved in every aspect that we do. We, if you look at, for example, how much oil is used uh, basically to support the transportation associated with cargo, with marine uh, transportation, uh, you know, the, uh, supporting the, the you know, uh, the emergency, uh, uh, you know, uh, organizations. Uh, uh, when it comes to gas, also uh, looking at the petrochemicals and the, and the downstream manufacturing of, of the petrochemicals that, that eventually, you know, get us something like uh, ventilators uh, used uh, by the health uh, uh, you know, personnel to save, to save life. And of course, uh, not forgetting the, the, you know, the gas used uh, uh, in the fertilizer business to boost the, the food production, as well as to uh, you know, provide energy to lighten our, our facilities, our uh, buildings and uh, our uh, cities. So that's the second priority. It's really very important to put it in perspective. Third priority, in my opinion, is to focus uh, on tapping on technology, really, to, to improve efficiency and reduce cost, uh, you know, tapping on the IR 4.0, the Industrial Revolution uh, technology to reduce cost, uh, you know, uh, uh, instead of, uh, you know, releasing, uh, you know, manpower. It would be really very important to tap on technology. Uh, I know that there, you know, there will be some tough decisions to you know, to reduce cost and tough decisions probably to delay certain projects, uh, but let's not forget the strategic nature of our uh, business, of our industry. We never plan for short term our, you know, in, in our industry. We always look at the long term uh, and the long uh, term demand for uh, the global uh, uh, energy when it comes to that, uh, you know, matter. I always say during my tenure as SP president, I always say those who invest in, in, in recessions and downturn are the, those who are, who are will be ready to harvest their investment uh, during the, 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 the you know, uh, uh, the, the upturn, you know. As I said, we've seen so many downturns, but, uh, you know, something that for sure we know about that there will be upturn coming after. Now, how soon that is, uh, probably, you know, a few, few weeks, maybe a few months, maybe until the end of the year, we don't know, but we know that you know the, the, the demand for energy the demand for oil will come back come back to its normal level so those who invest during recession and those who invest during downturn will be really ready to harvest it the fourth uh, the, the the you know the fourth uh, uh, priority i would say 
collaboration. Collaboration is really the, the venue really to help. You know, we need to, eat, to help each other. And we've seen good examples in the oil and gas industry in terms of collaboration, whether in the technical and developing technologies, working together, or even in the soft issues like, like addressing the climate challenge through OGCI. And, and a good example even related to the oil prices and, and the, you know, putting stabilization between supply and demand. The thing that we have seen last month during the month of April, the OPEC uh, and OPEC Plus, OPEC Plus Plus as well, you know, coming together, collaborating together to address this issue globally. So, so there is no one entity that can solve that. The fifth uh, priority, in my opinion, also, we as an industry also, have unmatched social responsibility program. And this is about the time really to increase it. We need to help our communities, our governments, our you know, cities really to, to address it. And I'm very happy to see so many you know, national and international oil companies announcing you know, uh, you know, uh, some uh, social responsibility programs. You know, some of them uh, you know, encouraging their employees to donate uh, money and they are matching the amount that you know that they collect from their employees so this is the, the spirit that we would like to really you know uh, you know encourage and promote in our uh, society and last but not least you know we have to do all of the above all of what i've said really in in, in you know uh, uh, without losing focus on safety which is really very very important not losing focus on doing our, uh, uh, you know, uh, operation in environmentally, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, manner, friendly manner, you know, uh, and last but not least, which is very, very important, sometimes we lose focus during panic mode, which is the cybersecurity. We know that the oil and gas industry, one of the top targets of the hackers, and, and guess what, you know, this is the best time for them. Really, this is the best time for them when people addressing a crisis, I can't trick anyone by phishing email, you know, with the title of, uh, you know, how to, uh, you know, fight uh, COVID-19, uh, for example. So we really need to deliver all of these, basically, by focusing, uh, you know, with, with, you know, while focusing on safety, while focusing on, on the environment, which is very important, and most importantly, focusing on our cybersecurity, protecting our facilities and our people, uh, and, and the supply and then supply of energy. Want more insights from today's conversation? SPE publications cover all aspects of the upstream oil and gas industry, from technology and careers to production and operations. Learn more about our peer-reviewed journals, magazines, books, technical papers, and technical reports. It's all at spe.org/publications. Thank you very much, uh, Sami. You have set up the stage uh, with a very good fan view, you know, uh, about the oil industry and the priorities. Four priorities that you mentioned, which are very, very, you know, uh, core to our business. Okay, but I would like, using one of our own terms in the oil industry, I would like to drill down into leadership because the, our panel is about leadership and now I would like to call uh, for Kamel. Dr. Kamel, can you tell us a little bit uh, more specific about what actions do you think leaders <clears throat> need to take during the pandemic? But I also want to pick your mind about what they need to do after the pandemic. Thank you, Maria, for the uh, invitation. 
and um, good day from a uh, very sunny uh, Abu Dhabi today. So um, the, uh, the COVID-19 crisis is unique uh, in the last 50 years, as mentioned by uh, Dr. Sami, as it combines a global health one, an economic one, and an energy one. So it's a triple black swan with a magnitude not seen before. Um, after the uh, what has been called the Black Monday on April 20th, the uh, IEA's executive director, Dr. Fatih Birol, described April 2020 as the worst month in the worst quarter and what could be the worst year for energy markets. But I guess the good news is that April is behind us and looking forward, the derivative sign and it should be now positive. So in terms of, of leaders, we have to look at them like uh, jugglers because they have to combine action taking for the short term and review completely their medium and long-term strategy. So they have to balance those two things. So they have to balance the, the requirement for being prepared now and ensuring that the organization that they are leading is resilient. And at the uh, Business Management and Leadership Committee, which is headed by uh, our colleague uh, Maria Capello, uh, resilience is a very important term. We, uh, we teach the, uh, the, uh, our members about their own resiliency, but also how to make their own organization resilience. And also along with that is being prepared for a new type of what we would call stress testing for the organization uh, or other people call being future proof. Stress testing was uh, very much used for the financial sector after the 2008 financial crisis and making sure that our financial institutions are ready for the uh, for any uh, uh, events uh, of the magnitude that we have seen in 2008. So the stress testing that would would happen in the energy sector would include uh, taking into account some of the extraordinary factors that have happened, including the shut-in of uh, of production to a level that. Uh, that uh, we have never seen before, as well as some of the comments by Dr. Sami on the, uh, on the uh, cybersecurity and other threats. So again, going back to the juggling between short-term and long-term, uh, the first action, I fully agree with Dr. Sami, should be on the HSSNE efforts to make the workplace a safe one. The second is ensuring business continuity uh, and this includes uh, things like uh, ensuring the strength of cybersecurity and reorganize the work practices so that uh, they adapt to the different phases of deconfinement. So we have seen, we are seeing in a number of countries uh, getting out of confinement coming in different stages. So the workplace needs to adapt to the different modes. The third one is uh, fully reconnecting with customers. Uh, and uh, obviously there are 
they should be on top of the list. And fourth one is protecting financially their institutions. And uh, this is, uh, in many cases, uh, preventing risks of bankruptcies. So there would be difficult decisions, uh, especially on human capital one. And I, I like very much uh, a quote from a consulting uh, group, uh, Deloitte, who's saying, leaders should simultaneously design from the heart and the head by empathizing with their employees, customer, and their broader ecosystems, yet simultaneously adopting a rational line to protect financial performance from distribution, from disruptions. So that we I want to stress the empathy word, which is extremely important with our workforce, given the uh, the amount of disruption they are taking from a professional and family life, and also the fact that we need to design not only from the head, but also from the heart. So going to the uh, medium and long-term perspective, uh, in medium term, uh, the next, let's say, three years, uh, there should be tactical responses to what the situation uh, has implied, especially in terms of disruption into the production stream. And for the longer term, re-evaluate completely the strategic options uh, to accommodate future scenarios, including as much as possible what could be looked at as black swans. So in the Business Management and Leadership Committee, we are also emphasizing the strategic uh, and as being an essential part of the, the business and a key ingredient of leadership. Thank you, Kamel. Thank you. That, that's that's very interesting to hear. Um, I'm going to bring in Eve here. So, Eve, you you are uh, uh, also a long-term veteran of the oil and gas industry. So, listening to what Sammy had to say and what Kamel was just commenting now, what do you what what in your opinion are the the critical business management and leadership skills to help overcome the the current crisis in the industry? I think we can look at leaders of many types to see what works and what doesn't work in terms of things. And I think one of the two key things about leaders are you need to be decisive. So it's, you know, you are the leader, the buck stops, stops there, and you need to be responsible. But at the same time, you also need to be flexible because in this case, as everyone said, this is unprecedented. We don't have case studies to go back to and say, these are the best practices in something like this. So it's being flexible, willing to change course and say what has worked, what hasn't worked, and taking responsibility for those actions because with leadership comes responsibility. It also means being compassionate and listening to people. So one of the challenges here is we've got a virus that nobody sees as having be fully under control uh, within a short period of time. When do you change the rules? When do you flex to something else? And how do you balance? How do you take, you know, 
integrate all these actions together. So it's, it's really taking responsibility for what you're doing and being decisive. Your messaging also has to be very clear. We've seen examples from world leaders where when you read their message, you can see how it makes sense. But since the way it's presented, people find very confusing. So I think it's, it's leading by example. You really want to role model what you're asking people to do for you. So, uh, and I didn't mention, everybody else mentioned where they are. I'm, I'm in California. <laughs> so uh, we have the example of uh, a local leader who's been decisive and stepped up and a national leader uh, who people have a lot of questions about. Okay, thank you. So, I mean, what you were saying there is really, I mean, it's very, there's a lot about emotional intelligence and the importance of that in, in leadership. Much of the work of the Society of Petroleum Engineers is accomplished by members. Become a volunteer and use your knowledge and experience to influence SPE programs and activities. As a volunteer, you can enhance your leadership skills while meeting and working with other SPE members from across the globe. There are many opportunities to get involved, regardless of your experience, location, or experience level. To learn more about the League of Volunteers, visit spe.org volunteer. I'm going to switch to Tom now. So, you, you know, you're an academic, you teach students, you lead students. So how are you going to equip students now and, and teach them about sort of emotional intelligence to sort of help them equip them for this future? Uh, I mean, these kind of conditions may re reoccur in the future. So how would you go about leading students and teaching them emotional intelligence? Uh, thank you, Nils, and greetings to everyone from lovely College Station, Texas. Um, as many of you know, I'm also a New Zealander, and my family's 10,000 miles away. And as Eve pointed out, there's certainly differences in how governments handle things. And uh, I stayed here for uh, for my daughter, so uh, that was a, a, an interesting time. I hope everyone got to reconnect with their family. Uh, the question really is about how do we prepare people for what's happening and what will happen. And I, I sort of give uh, timelines. There's a near term where things are going to be really uh, difficult to predict. Um, I appreciate you pointing out there are no case histories on this. I mean, maybe there are case histories on crises, but nothing of this scale and certainly nothing of this. Um, it impacts every individual. Uh, I had to give this some thought, quite frankly, and you know, I think the number one thing you do is you be honest and you tell people this is absolutely the toughest time our industry's ever faced. Um, I've got 146 days before I come on board as uh, president, and I feel like each one of those days lasts a year because I know how hard this is going to be. This is going to be a transformation of our industry. It's going to be a transformation of our professional society. It's going to be a transformation of our lives, uh, certainly of our work life. I think you have to be realistic. You have to explain to people it's not going to be the same work environment, nor the same priorities, nor the same workload. Uh, Work-life balance is actually improved, uh, they say, under this. But uh, simultaneously, they say people are also working two to three more hours a day uh, for the last couple of months. And can that be sustained? 
Uh, it doesn't matter. It's going to be expected to be sustained. So, you know, we're going to have to live with that. Uh, you need to be authentic. Uh, you need to tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Uh, the niceties are over. You know, we've, uh, the closest analog, I guess, to this is war. And we're going to have to make some very difficult decisions. Um, it will pass. Uh, things will change. But the devastation that this is wreaking will be very real across all scales. In some ways, it, it won't look any different. Uh, but in many industries, many societies, the, uh, the after effects will last for decades. The loss of capital, the loss of jobs, um, you know, a near global refocus on uh, oil and gas, which are much easier to recover, much lower cost to recover, is going to be important. A lot of young people don't have any experience. Uh, with conventionals, they've uh, they've been engaged mostly in unconventional, certainly in the U.S. for the last ten or so years. Uh, they'll have to adapt. And my last comment on this is, you have to be progressive. Uh, people who can adapt quickly, they will. Um, there's a lot of young people that I mentor, a lot of young people that I encounter, and they ask me what to do, and I say adapt, uh, take on new challenges, new roles. Uh, people who are unprepared skills-wise, uh, motivationally, et cetera, they're going to have a difficult time with this, and they're going to have to decide whether or not uh, they can and will adapt. But it will be a very significant, different future. Uh, it's going to be, I want to say, Darwinism in its purest form that people are going to have to adapt in order to survive, and companies will as well. We'll talk more about uh, how companies adapt to this. And I'm sure that others who work directly for companies will give you that. Education is going to be fine. You know, we have demonstrated we can work remotely, that we can work virtually, that we can deliver. Uh, a lot of the students have said, uh, and I'm sure I'm going to get flack for this, that uh, they're actually much better at this than the faculty are. But give the faculty a break. They'll they'll evolve. They'll, they'll figure out how to use Zoom or when to turn the mute button on and off and, you know, not to leave the camera on whenever they uh, may not be fully dressed or something silly like that. But, you know, that part will be okay. And the other issues that people worry about, about, you know, how do they connect with their faculty and so on, we'll, we'll work that out. So I, I look for a very bright and, you know, capable future in terms of education. Uh, when we talk in a little while, I'll tell you that the next, excuse me, the next year will be very difficult. The next couple of years will be a little bit of uncertainty, but certainly we'll be coming out of it. And the next few years after that will be, unfortunately, probably another boom. Well, uh, many thanks. This is Maria. And, uh, you know, Tom, uh, what you said uh, really rings a bell because you are talking about adaptability. And if there is something that we have seen in this crisis, uh, which is not only the COVID, but also the low price of oil, was the new alliances, we saw something traditional antagonists like the US and the OPEC or Russia, you know, uh, making deals and agreements that we never seen before. And uh, my question now would like uh, Kamel to address it uh, with his international experience and, uh, you know, insights. Kamel, what do you think, will this prevail in the new leadership, this new way of adaptation and uh, negotiations that uh, we have witnessed? So it has been an extraordinary roller coaster uh, in the last two months. 
and uh, after a breakdown uh, in early March, we have seen the, the negotiation expand from OPEC to uh, OPEC plus and then to OPEC plus plus. Uh, the, the move to OPEC plus happened about five, four or five years ago due to the US sales and the OPEC plus plus happened because of COVID-19. So the first point is that uh, the economies of the oil exporting countries uh, are being extremely impacted by the, the fall in prices combined with the, uh, with the decrease in demand. So there is a very strong willingness uh, from uh, many fronts, social, to, uh, to make it work. Uh, most countries, even if they produce uh, oil at less than $20 per barrel, need much more to balance their budget. Uh, so Russia, for instance, needs between $40 and $50 uh, to balance their budget. Uh, other countries, most other countries, need anywhere from $50 up to $200 per barrel to balance their budget. So they have to get those prices up. And uh, increasing their market share will not uh, will not help them uh, significantly. Uh, the U.S. situation is different because it's an open and competitive market. Uh, and also you have different types of players between majors and independents. But, I mean, we have seen recently the issues of storage uh, being one of the drivers for shutdowns. So for me, the big test for this alliance, expanded alliance will be the adherence to the production cuts that have been decided, uh, especially for the month of May and June. 23% uh, cut in production has never been done as a collective action. Uh, and we have also seen yesterday, Saudi Arabia, UAE and Kuwait are going for further cuts, Saudi Arabia by nearly a million barrels per day and uh, UAE and uh, Kuwait by hundreds of thousands of barrels. So that means that there is a strong willingness to go even what was decided in the, uh, in the uh, OPEC plus plus discussions and uh, around the G20 uh, meeting. Uh, the second big test will be the ability to restore production after once the cuts are lifted. Uh, again, we have never seen anything like this. And uh, I was recently at an SP webinar uh, with the minister of a uh, South American country who was mentioning that, or I, th I think it was the CEO of the oil company, who was saying that uh, after strike, uh, that shut down their production, uh, they, uh, they were able to restore, after significant effort, 92% of their production. So uh, this kind of cut is uh, like terra incognita for many countries as they have never done anything like this. So this will be a very significant stress test for those countries and uh, challenge there willingness 
to go for uh, similar agreements uh, if this situation uh, unfortunately happens and they have to curtail production again. Well, thank you, Kamal. Uh, I think those insights help to understand the overall and overarching efforts needed to go back and uh, improve uh, the current situation. But talking about improving the current situation uh, in the energy sector, many people are now working remotely or in virtual teams. And my next question will be for Dr. Eve Spront, because um, I was wondering how or what tricks can you give us? How can we motivate a team that is uh, virtual, that is remote working? I think you definitely have to stay engaged with people. There's people to people contact, but fortunately we're, we're blessed right now with so many fantastic communication mechanisms. And uh, I look at it that um, working through a group like SPE, so often <clears throat> you have to work out, reach out remotely. When I first became engaged with SPE in, in the early 80s, long distance phone calls and things like that were uh, very primitive. You had echoes from the satellite connections. But one of the things about working through SPE is that you find often you can't do things face to face. We're a global organization. We're working all around the world all hours of the day and night. And so you reach out in whatever ways you have. And so I found over the years, I've made very, built very strong relationships with people who are very far from me. And that's not only uh, working when I was uh, working for mobile early in my career and money, my projects were Indonesia and I was in Dallas that, uh, I've been working remotely and globally for decades. So it's something you can do very well. And I think that uh, leaders have to reach out. They have to touch their people in effect, check in with them, see how they're doing, see what their issues are. You could do the equivalent of what many old fashioned managers like to do, which is managing by walking around, by electronically walking around and checking in on your team, finding out what their issues are. So we have the means to do all the same types of reaching out electronically that people would do if congregated in an office. So I, I think it's a question of just getting over the fact that, you know, you're doing it remotely and that they're very powerful things. And I can say it's like Maria, Angela, and I are very, very good friends, but we have only spent a few days over many decades in each other's presence. And I have many, many good friends all around the globe who I have met very rarely. And I think that electronically, we make use of the assets, the fabulous electronic assets that we have. Well, thank you, Eve. Communication, communication, and communication, yes. I get yes. from, from what you say. Yes. So thank you. Thank you. That's very important. And uh, 
perhaps there are a set of our members that are very, very well versed in these new techniques, and those are the students. And that will take me to my next question. How do you inject good energy and positive energy? And I would like, again, to ask this to Tom, because of his role in academia. I would like to know, how do you inject good positive energy now, you know, in the new cohorts of students? relatable to petroleum engineering? Honestly, Maria, uh, maybe we're uh, spoiled, those of us who are academics, but we see students as always being highly motivated. Uh, I think they recognize that the market is is really difficult right now, but uh, even, uh, you know, at late night, last night, I had a meeting with the student officers of our chapter because they moved the meeting tonight because some of them do have internships, some of them don't. They accept the fact that that this is an unusual situation. Um, my own graduate students are, you know, they struggle with jobs, they struggle with the usual um, caveats about the future of the industry and so forth. But uh, I think everyone understands it's brutal right now. It's just a fact. Um, I'll also comment that we've had our, uh, our best innovations during downturns. And I'd also comment that while, uh, you know, what do they say? Causation is not correlation. Uh, we seem to have our best leaders evolve and emerge during downturns. I think the same thing's going to happen here. I mean, well, I know it is that, uh, you know, certainly the, the uh, established um, people in the industry will acclimate to this. They'll do fine. The young people actually are accustomed to acclimating. Uh, I do think it's a hard sell to, uh, to look at enticing or encouraging young people to come into petroleum engineering, but my speech hasn't changed throughout my career. If you really want to be a petroleum engineer, there's always going to be a role for petroleum engineers. Uh, and secondly, you know, hard work does correlate with success. If you're the hardest working person in the room, you're not going to ever have to worry about a job. There's also an entrepreneurial aspect of petroleum engineering, which many of our former students, uh, which we call our alumni, sorry, uh, they adapt to and have created uh, service companies, operating companies, investment companies, and so on. Uh, there's plenty of, of opportunities, but the, the short-term brutality of this, and everyone has said this, is, is real. Uh, we just have to uh, sort of nurture them through this uh, pit. And like I said, I think that as we come out of it, there will be a shortage of talent. Uh, it is not going to be pleasant. I don't enjoy uh, when there's a shortage of talent. I don't enjoy when there's a glut in talent. Um, but like I, I'll end with where I started, which is downturns or, or challenging times tend to bring out people who evolve or emerge as our best leaders. I'm looking forward to that. And I, uh, I think that's the way we ought to treat this. As, as education is offered, as I mentioned before, it'll change uh, dramatically because of this. We'll be able to offer anything, anytime. I think there's a role for SB for that. I don't want to, um, you know, step on anyone's toes, but I, I do think SBE can help to facilitate that. And I will strongly encourage that when it's uh, my turn to, to speak for that. So I'll hand it back to you. Well, thank you, because uh, I think that is... Uh, a vision that we need to share with the membership. I mean, there is a positive outlook out there. 
uh, not only for the students, but also for us as petroleum engineers and in the industry as a whole. And um, that brings me to a, a, another question that I have here, and is relatable to the SPE and the new normal. Because how can the SPE help any given member to get prepared to navigate these, you know, challenging times and then re-emerge, okay, after na navigating these challenges, a stronger person, perhaps even a stronger leader. And I would like uh, to know what, what kind of resources is SPE offering about that? I know that, Tom, you're going to speak to us about that, but I would like to address Sami. Sami, would you like to tell us about it? Sure, uh, uh, Maria, uh, thank you. Uh, let me just uh, add one point for the motivation. Uh, something that we have been trying to do in SPE for, body, for a very long time, which is the pride, the pride of what we do. Uh, you know, again, during my presidency, you know, I talked a lot, a lot about really the, the pride of what we do. You know, what we do is not pumping oil and gas. What we do is basically putting, uh, you know, uh, enhancing prosperity of mankind uh, on, on earth. That's exactly what we do. We put smiles on the face of people, you know, and we enrich their, 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 their social life uh, and so on. So the pride is really what needs to be injected in, uh, in our academic programs, in our, uh, you know, uh, uh, DNA uh, when it comes to SPE. And that's exactly what, what we have done uh, in SPE. Uh, and I, that, that this remember, you know, remind me with the story that uh, was mentioned, uh, you know, uh, President Kennedy when he was touring NASA back in 19, I think, 62 or 63, and he was walking, he saw a janitor, and the janitor, he, he, he stopped his tour and asked the janitor, what do you do? And that janitor was really, you know, he really had the line of sight when he said, I'm helping putting a man on the moon. That's basically the, 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 the skills that we need to inject into our uh, students, you know, to feel the pride of what they do. And, and, and uh, you, know, uh, you know, the analogy to, to uh, people working nowadays in this, uh, you know, crisis, uh, you know, the analogy of people working for oil and gas is, is similar to the people working in the health sector. And, and uh, 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 you know, they're working 24 hours really to keep pumping oil and gas to make sure that the style, the, the lifestyle, the prosperity, uh, the lifestyle of the 21st century is, is well maintained. So that's part, I think, needs to be injected, uh, you know, in the academic program as well as in, in our program, uh, programs in SPE. Now, when you're talking about what, what do we do uh, in SPE to help our members during this crisis, we, have, uh, we can address this from different uh, aspects. Uh, the first aspect is basically we have invested big time on digitization and, and that's why we, we we started harvesting this investment and the event that that we have today is a good example of this so now as a matter of fact we have an advantage of reaching more members you know if you look at the, the percentage wise you know how many you know members come to our major events this is uh, you know possibly a very small percentage but but when, when you look at the technology what what technology offer today Basically, we can reach more than the 150,000 members that we have globally. That's really what, what we are trying to focus on. We, we, we will redesign our programs, our services 
to be more, uh, uh, you know, virtual, you know, tapping on the technology, uh, the advanced technology that we have uh, today. Now, we're also doing something also to those who who are unlucky during this crisis, who lost their, their, their jobs. You know, we, we have, uh, you know, uh, something called Members in Transition uh, Portal as part of our SP.org. Uh, they can really go there and, and uh, seek some, some, uh, some information. We also have a wonderful, wonderful tool called SPE Connect. This is basically, you know, providing a platform for each technical uh, domain really you know for them to communicate and network and improve their network you know a, 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 you know a mean or a source that they might use uh, during a crisis like this when they lose uh, their lives and and one also important thing that also we're doing we're doing virtual job fairs as well we started doing it we did it last year and it was very very successful and uh, also uh, uh, you know we, we will try to also develop, uh, you know, more portals to help those who, who are unlucky during this crisis who lost their life. I would like just, uh, sorry, who lost their, their job. Uh, I would like just to conclude by saying, you know, there is a beautiful tool that we launched in, in 2019, and that is SPE app. This is really a, a very effective tool for our members to reach the technical information, to reach SPE, uh, you know, services. Uh, um, you know, in a, in a tip of a finger. In the past, you need to, to go to an internet or a lab, uh, you know, a library to get access to, to an SPE paper or, or watch a video or watch a webinar or watch, watch this uh, leadership life uh, event. Nowadays, you have this beautiful smartphone and, and beautiful app that you can use and, and really enrich your, your technical skills, your leadership skills, as well as you improve your network that you might use, you know, and, and uh, you know, uh, you know in the back to you, Maria. Thank you, Sami. And uh, at this point, I would like to encourage uh, the people who are connected to our, um, our live cast to make questions to our panelists. Our panelists are natural role models for us because they were at the top of the SPE roles as presidents. And you know what? Part of the leadership is also when people become role models. What do you have to tell us about the role models during these times, these challenging times? Okay, so um, for, for the, the, the role model, uh, you need to be uh, able to, uh, to use all the battery of uh, soft skills that, that uh, the com your committee, the business management and leadership is advocating. And I would highlight a handful. Uh, the, the, the first one is communication. Uh, communication is very important in this time of crisis and being able to uh, deliver a content to a very anxious workforce is, uh, is uh, of paramount importance. The, uh, the second one is in terms of being able to use your uh, strategic thinking skills to look at possibilities. And our industry, the energy industry has been uh, at the forefront 
of strategizing. Um, I refer, for instance, to the work that has been done by the Shell team in terms of uh, strategic outlook. And this is something that you need to know how to develop. You need to know what are the uh, the scripts that you, that you want to uh, to have as possibilities, and what are the implications of these scripts, and then decline them into uh, tactical choices. The uh, the third one is negotiation, because you need to then go back from whatever uh, position where you are uh, to a negotiation uh, position. Uh, let's say if you are in the service sector, you are being pressured by your customers to cut costs. If you are uh, the um, in uh, an oil and gas companies, you are also being pressured by your stakeholders to increase to, to maintain your dividend or so all these have to be into it, taken into account in terms of negotiation with your different stakeholders. And then you have other ones that you, uh, you need to use. You need, uh, I mentioned earlier, the empathy word, because uh, this crisis has an impact on lives, it has an impact on careers, and it has also an impact on future careers for our students. So the role model needs to be able to use all those skills to pass on consistent messages um, that resound with the different publics. Thank you very much, Kamel. I really appreciate your remarks because those tell us about you know, some specifics that are needed in these difficult and challenging times. Are you considering becoming an SPE member? When you join SPE, you join a society of dedicated professionals just like you, working to address the technical challenges of the global oil and gas industry. SPE membership gives you the opportunity to make local and global connections and build a network of influential technical leaders from every discipline. Learn more at spe.org join. I would like now to perhaps rethink what do you see you know in the future i mean you, we know that spe is very much based on events and our contacts and network that we do in our uh, big conferences and more but now i would like to address to tom because you are the incoming president right tom uh, how do you envision spe shifting to the new normal can you tell us a little bit? Uh, I hate to do this, but I think Sammy's more qualified because he's the handling the finances right now, but I'll do my best. Um, in all seriousness, uh, we are investing as we speak, time, effort, sweat, blood, money. We're bag borrowing and almost stealing to, uh, to try new ideas, to produce new products such as this. In fact, if you'd asked me that that we would be doing these kinds of things uh, two months ago, I'd have probably doubted it. But I think most of our content um, in the near term will be virtual or virtual assist. Uh, we'll have conferences, um, maybe small ones, which will have a, an augmented or a virtual component. 
Uh, our people are working 12 hours a day, the staff, on finding uh, resources to uh, use. Uh, we're working in collaboration with the other professional societies and how they're going to offer their uh, conferences virtually as well. The fear factor has set in on whether we offer conferences, uh, you know, at live and present um, or on location, uh, whether or not people would be able to travel, whether or not their companies would allow them, whether or not they would be uh, willing to do that on their own. But SBE is addressing each one of these um, in a sort of, sort of a, a step fashion. If this works, we'll try more of it. If this works, we'll try more of it. We have multiple planning scenarios to deploy an enormous amount of content, but it will take some some getting used to. Ironically, this hit us at a time where we had an enormous amount of content ready to go. Uh, I personally missed three conferences and three workshops in the last uh, two months. So, you know, that content's all been pushed back to the fall, uh, Northern Hemisphere fall, pardon me. Um, I also want to uh, toss this to Sammy just for a second. And I know Eve's back online, so we need to let her have her question as, as well. Sammy, do you want to comment from the standpoint of your role as uh, the finance chair? Yeah, thank you, Tom. I think you uh, you articulated it in, in a very, very uh, well uh, way. Uh, and just to add to, to what you're saying, uh, you know, our objective, really our mission at the end of the day is to be more relevant to our members, really. We want to uh, reach them uh, as much as possible. And, and that's why the society is investing a lot, uh, even during the downturn, by the way, we're investing in, in, in uh, you know, uh, building a strong infrastructure, IT infrastructure. So we have, we have good, excellent, uh, you know, uh, IT infrastructure, but we need also to uh, strengthen this to enable us to do whatever we want in the virtual uh, world, basically. And as Tom mentioned, you know, uh, during this year, most of our events would be virtual. Uh, um, uh, so, so we are we are putting a lot of resources, a lot of efforts in the digitization and the vir virtualization of our events, including, by the way, conferences. So we're not talking about only webinars, uh, uh, talks, or workshops. We are also talking about, uh, uh, the, you know, the virt virtual conferences with an exhibit uh, exhibition as well. So, so basically, as I said, the technology is in our side. We are, you know. We're very strategic in nature. It's not only SPEs versus strategic, also the industry is strategic. We're putting a lot of effort in, in, in uh, you know, implementing our strategic plan. We re revisited our strategic plan almost a year ago. Uh, luckily, uh, we started implementing that revision that enabled us basically to, you know, uh, harvest, you know, uh, uh, part of what we have invested. And, and that, you know, a good example is the one, the meeting that we have today. So that's basically what, what we do in SPE. There is also something else that we would like to add also. Uh, you know, uh, if you recall, SPE is known to be, you know, uh, the power of the technical aspect of upstream. We were providing, uh, you know, uh, the technical skills. We added last year uh, some soft skills as well uh, in terms of safety, in terms of leadership. You know, question that was asked before, what kind of skills you want to inject into, into your students and members? We would like to inject advanced leadership, advanced management while crisis, uh, emotional intelligence, strategic uh, thinking, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, business uh, and finance uh, uh, acumen, uh, 
you know, these kind of advanced, uh, you know, uh, skills, the soft skills that I think, you know, the, the, the new generation would like really to, to, to have, in addition, of course, to the technical skills and the IR 4.0 technologies that, that we talked about. So we'll be focusing on, on all of these aspects. We, we started collaborating with uh, pronounced, uh, pronounced uh, uh, you know, leadership centers like CEDEP in France to develop uh, you know, safety leadership programs and advanced leadership programs that can be offered to our members uh, you know, as, as uh, you know, two or three days uh, pre-course workshop or maybe even virtual. So these are the things that uh, happening in SPE. As I said, we want to be more relevant and more closer to our members. And guess what? The technology is really helping us to achieve that. So a couple of questions from the audience. So uh, firstly to Tom, you kind of addressed it earlier, but there's a lot of students out there asking, should they continue with their studies? What is their future in petroleum engineering and the oil and gas industry? I, I mentioned it earlier that uh, the near term is, is gonna be brutal. It's gonna be hard. If you're graduating this year, um, it's going to be unpleasant, but you know, now is the time to invest in your career, uh, pick a program that meets your uh, particular interest. Um, I would advise uh, people, and I've been doing this my entire career, to take outside coursework as well, particularly in uh, the fields of chemical and mechanical engineering that perhaps aren't part of your primary curricula. Make sure you have some strengths uh, that are beyond this. Uh, Texas A&M, we did a little bit different approach and we incorporated their material into our curricula, but uh, my point's still the same. I think you need uh, to have a breath. All programs allow a minor. That would be a good thing um, to do, to, to take some time on that. Be realistic. Um, you know, I had a little speech prepared about um, people say, well, I don't like that job. I don't want to work in the field. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. If somebody said right now they had a job in, you know, two, there'd probably be a thousand applicants for it. Uh, and that's Probably the way it, it needs to be in the short term is that it's going to be extremely competitive. But, you know, it was extremely competitive when I got out of school. Sammy got out of school. Uh, Kamal got out of school. Eve got out of school. There, I mean, there were tough times and you had to make a decision about what you wanted to do with your career. I'm not advocating that everybody on this uh, call, uh, you know, take my advice on this. But all four of us have uh, advanced degrees, uh, terminal PhDs and uh, we did that. Uh, I certainly didn't expect to be uh, become a professor. Thank God someone intervened and rerouted my course that direction. But uh, I'm pretty pleased with the way things turned out. But, you know, there, there are all sorts of avenues that you can take. And advancing your education is never a bad investment. So I, I advise people to do that as well. There's been so much discussion here that I want to give Eve the last word on this because she was typing it in about the word yes. resi resilience. So Eve, yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn that over to you and let you give a few minutes about resilience because I'm telling you the definition of resilience is what we're living through right now. So Eve, I'm gonna give it to you. Thank you very much, Tom. I think when I look back and you know my career go goes way back to the 70s, that resilience is always the most important characteristic. I have seen people who I thought were absolute icons who hit what I thought was a speed bump and fall. And in one case, very unfortunately, the person committed suicide. And on the other hand, you know, I have seen people 
fall, eat dirt, and pull themselves up time after time after time. So the number one success variable is life throws us all kinds of problems. You know, now everyone is in a crisis at once. Sometimes it's only you. You don't know whether it's going to be a personal, a work crisis, or what it is. But you have to be willing to step back, look at what's good, what's bad in your life, dust yourself off, crawl your way back, reinvent yourself if you have to. I've reinvented myself numerous times over my career. I've faced all kinds of crises from bad bosses to major health crises. And you'd be amazed at what with resilience and your network. So SPE throughout my career has been a source of strength and networking. It's, it's a time when, you know, everyone's employment is insecure. SPE is the most powerful worldwide network out there. And it is a tremendous resource of friends and support. And when I think about SPE, I think about friends and all the people I've known for so many years. And so when I go to SPE meetings at, at this point in my career, it's about those human connections and human connections build resilience. You have to build your own personal support team your sounding boards, and recognize that it's not just times like now. Life throws us all kinds of curveballs, and you have to be resilient. What a wonderful way to wrap up an idea, Eve. Congrats. <laughs> I think that in this panel, we have heard uh, top insights and very powerful messages of positivism, of optimism, and to go through the challenges. And I think that uh, it is with and through SPE resources that we can help each other and we can help the membership. Um, we had, I would like to, at this time, I think that we answered a couple of questions from the audience. Do we still have time for another question? I think we do, right? Okay, so there is one more question and that is, I would like to quickly go around and if each one of you can tell me in only one minute, how can we help each other in this time? Let's start with Tom. Oh, you picked the wrong guy to start with. I'd rather end because I, I wanna <laughs> explain to everyone that we're in a lifeboat and I see it as my personal and professional responsibility to get everyone safely to shore. Um, I'm damn sure not the smartest guy on this panel. Uh, he's to my uh, left on the screen. Um, and there's a couple of other people that are a lot smarter than me, but we are going to get through this and we are going to figure out how to be leaner, meaner, and probably a bit cleaner in how we uh, manage ourselves. I would like to take a moment and say, you know, adversity builds character. Then you got four or five people on this board that got more character than you can imagine because we've all taken really tough hits in our careers and we've all made 
decisions. We've all taken options that created opportunities for other people. Um, I, I cannot emphasize strongly enough that it's our responsibility as the senior members to ensure that younger members are protected, that younger members get the uh, resources they need, that they get the, uh, the attention they need. Uh, again, I see it as a lifeboat and my goal is to get everybody to the, to the shore safely. And we're gonna get wet, gonna get cold, gonna get hungry. Um, but as everyone said, we're gonna be resilient and we're gonna make, we're gonna do our jobs. You know, we um, are second probably only to agriculture and how much people take us for granted. We've got a really important universal aspect of what we do. And I wanna emphasize there is nothing that compares with what we do for society except maybe on the scale of agriculture uh, in terms of the scope of, of how pervasive we are. Thank you very much. Let's hear from Camel. Thank you, Maria. So uh, I, I was recently uh, hearing a, a webinar uh, that where I had the HSC directors of uh, two very large uh, service companies. And one actually was taking advice from the other on some of the HSC practices. And I found it a beautiful example of these very strong competitors agreeing on collaborating on things that were important. So collaboration is very important to continue uh, across the industry and especially an SPE provides this platform for the industry to do it. And I would say that the industry should not lose also sight that there are uh, long-term issues for our, uh, industry that we all have to tackle, uh, things like sustainability. And Dr. Sami has put sustainability in his presidency. So these are very important things that after these bumps and falls and so on, we still should not lose the, uh, the long-term objective is make sure that our industry that is absolutely necessary is sustainable. Uh, for myself, uh, uh, first of all, uh, I second all, I second Tom and Kamal, uh, you know, with what they said. Uh, I'm very optimistic, you know, uh, in nature, I'm very optimistic. I think, I think the industry will, will beat this, uh, you know, uh, if, if I may call it enemy or whatever, we will succeed and beat this crisis, you know, the thing that we are 100% sure, you know, based on, again, proven historical uh, performance that, uh, you know, after each downturn, after each uh, recession, there is an upturn. There is, uh, you know, uh, our industry will prosper again. Uh, uh, and the demand for oil, as I said, will increase, basically, just a matter of, you know, when. So uh, I'm very optimistic in this. Uh, and and, and uh, I think I, I mentioned that we shouldn't lose the line of sight, we have a mission, we have a noble mission as an industry, we need really to focus on, we need to focus on long term, you know, a question earlier was asked, uh, you know, uh, regarding can we uh, restart uh, production uh, when, when the demand comes, and my answer to that is, is most likely yes, and those who invest again during the downturn will, will be able to do that, uh, and that's why I always promote, uh, you know, uh, uh, take advantage of such, uh, you know, uh, recession, not only in the business, but also in the students, as as, as Tom mentioned, uh, basically. 
So collaboration at, at, at all level is very important. We can help each other. The companies can help each other. The industries, the countries can help each other. But also at the membership level, we also can help each other. Let's not forget that SPE is all about volunteerism. Really, you know, mentoring is one thing that I think we need to boost you know, during this time, you know, to, to mentor our young generations, to, you know, educate them more, to inject those skills that I was talking about. The concept of pride itself is this that I think we need to each other to inject it in our DNA at all level. And last but not least, really, also through our networking, if there is a possibility that I can help somebody also who lost his his job, that that's also something that we would like we would love to encourage. And that's why we're promoting SPE, developing platforms and tools to uh, enable our members to help each other. Back to you, Maria. Wow. Thank you so much, uh, Sami. Uh, how can you not love these panelists? I mean, this is an awesome panel and we are still now need to hear uh, last remarks from Eve. Uh, Eve, please, you are at the bat. Uh, I think the thing in terms of helping others here is taking time to listen to other people and what their challenges are, that we can do a lot of mutual mentoring in this time. We can learn from each other and we can share what works and what doesn't work because SPE is all about sharing. And so this is the ultimate time for us to all take some time to listen to the challenges that other people are facing because we can learn as we help others in this. So mentoring and supporting others is, is not just a gift to the other person, it's a gift to yourself. All right. So I at this point, I would like to appreciate, first of all, the participation of our listeners today. I mean, I think that it is for you that we have organized this panel. And secondly, and perhaps even more importantly, we all want to thank you guys, our panelists. You have generously share your insights. I want to appreciate your time because all these require a lot of preparation and uh, we are honored to have you as our panelists. So thank you, Yves Pront, Sami Anwen, Ahmed Benazur, and of course, Tom Blasting Game. Bye-bye.